guys. This is Joy. And this is Claire. And all of our friends. All of our friends are here. So we have friends. so many friends here. I'm so excited. Hi, everybody. Even though you can't really talk and like we can't hear the applause, everyone's just clapping for us, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> studio audience. Applause. Applause. Studio yeah, we have audience. Like, like 25 people in our studio audience today. It's yeah, amazing. It's really fun. This is like my becoming my new favorite thing is to just have people because like I said, like when we're talking, sometimes someone will say something in the chat where I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot about that. So it's kind of like we got fact checkers, we got different opinions. We have people to validate our feelings. Validate everything we're saying that we are correct. You know, speaking of, well, validating, I don't know how everyone feels about this, but I am pretty excited that I think as of last night, Democrats have the Senate. I saw a great tweet that was like, just so it was like Mitch McConnell just learned he will not be the Senate majority leader. Have a good night. <laughs> it's like, whatever your politics are, does anybody like that guy? No, no. Anyway, no secrets here about our political opinions, and there don't need to be. I will say, as an avid Saturday Night Live watcher, I haven't watched last night's episode. I go to bed too early these days. And then so I watch it the next day. So I'm going to watch it today. But as an avid SNL watcher, I do appreciate that they just make fun of everybody. Like they make fun of Biden. They make so for everyone who's kind of but I think they also they are definitely like left leaning. You could it's very obvious. I appreciate that they make fun of everybody. I mean, I'm going to be like I voted for Biden and I still make fun of him. So it's like. That's the thing. I don't think any, I, I think there are very few Democrats out there who are like, I am 100% happy with Biden. There is nothing I would change. There is, there are no moments that make me think, that make me want to just call him Grandpa Joe. Like, I mean, sometimes yeah. the way that he comes across, I'm like, is this a presidential address or is this like my grandpa? Yeah, it's hard. I was talking to mom Sandy. She's a big fan of Biden and she, we kind of talked about like what he's done so far and like all that aside. I was like, I just, I think it's just, I'm so, we had such a good leader persona wise, which doesn't always get things done, but in Obama. And so like, Scott and I talk about this a lot. Like when you hear someone speak and you're inspired by them, that goes a long way. And I think that Obama really brought that to the table. Now, as far as like the things he accomplished because of the House and the Senate, there were a lot of things that kind of got locked up. And then of course we had Trump that was just a dumpster fire. An acid get for four years. For four years. The guy that does Trump... Okay, hold on. Be- before I forget to, Kim says, Joy, have you watched the Fly on the Wall podcast about SNL? No. Oh my gosh. Is this a palace intrigue pod- podcast about SNL? This is everything Joy loves. David Spade and Carvey do it. <gasps> oh, yes. I have listened to that. I have listened to that. Yes. They're they're really, really funny. Yeah, it's great. It's a great show. I totally forgot that they call it Fly on the Wall. I just always assume, I've just like associated with David Spade and Dana, Dana Carvey. Yes, I do like that show. <laughs> so one of my favorite, you know, Alec Baldwin did a great Trump, but then they had James Austin Johnson come on the show a couple years ago. He does, if you... Listeners, if you have not seen him do the Trump impression, it is unbelievable. It's kind of like when Tina Fey did, what's her face? (laughs) You know, Alaska. Sarah Palin. Thank you. I'm glad I forgot her name. Um, It's like that. It's that uncanny where you're like, I can't. Yeah, Kim says he's amazing as Trump. If you just even whatever your politics, 
it is so uncanny that you're kind of like, how does he do such a spot on impression? Because like Alec Baldwin could do kind of like the funny Trump, where it's like, you know, he's trying to be Trump, but it's like over the top. This guy is like Trump inhabits his body. It's crazy. Let's stop politics. That's enough for today. Yep. That was like maybe two minutes. Um, Evie just delivered me a DJ cat Gabby dollhouse cool. little figurine. If anybody's kids out there watch Gabby's dollhouse. Gabby's dollhouse is actually not bad. It's like about this little kid who she's probably like eight or nine and she's like cra- a crazy cat lady who oh. it's really cute actually. Here we are. I'm really impressed that River has not eaten this because this is like prime River eating. Look at all these little legs. You could just peel them off one by one. I have walked downstairs after a meeting too many a decapitated Barbie. And I just am like, yeah. la la la, clean it up. Oopsie. HK says the Elon Musk memes this week oh my gosh. are amazing. The Twitter situation right now is just the definition of a dumpster fire. I've never been so happy that I've been off of Twitter. I mean, I I quit Twitter about three or four years ago because I was like, I can't deal with this much social media interaction. And something had to go. That was the thing I used the least. I'm so glad that I'm not on it anymore. Like, I'm glad I made that decision forever ago. Because what do you think is going to happen? And everybody, what do you think is going to happen? Like, what's going to happen to Twitter? I had a Twitter still and I I hadn't tweeted since like, literally like 2014. And I went on like two weeks ago and actually finally deleted my account. Yeah, there's nothing more satisfying. Well, there's a lot of things more satisfying. But I was so satisfied by like, going to the actual account and like deleting it. It's one thing to just like know it's hanging out there. But I don't know why I just was like so satisfied the day that I decided to like completely delete it. Bankruptcy. Yeah. I mean, on a human level, I think it's really sad because there's a lot of people that were employed by Twitter. Like, yes. And just like a lot of the top positions are just leaving or he's firing them. Like it just sounds so bad. Yeah, Stephanie said Twitter is going the way of MySpace, but MySpace like faded away. They did not explode. Right. Implode. MySpace is still out there. You can still like, MySpace still has this sort of like nostalgic glow around it when you think about it, as opposed to like, oh my gosh, this thing just blew up. And oh my gosh, May says that her husband and her met on MySpace. That's amazing. That is amazing. And you're right. Tom is out there living his best friend life somewhere. Oh, Tom. HK said in the chat, my first top five friend. But it's been really interesting. And I mean, I'm sure everyone has seen the headline about what happened to Eli Lilly, the pharmaceutical company where somebody impersonating their account. So many people were started like, I think there was an, even an article of like an 18 year old that was impersonating a politician. And they're like, they just proved it. That was so many stupid so ideas. If, if you're not aware of what's going on, basically what happened. And you know, I don't fault people for like not engaging in this type of news. Twitter, when Elon Musk took over Twitter, what a couple weeks ago now, he started a program where you could pay $8 to get the little blue check on your profile. And that's all you needed to do. It just was like an $8 one-time fee. It used to be that you had to go through a whole process where you proved that that's who you were. You had to submit supporting documents like other profiles of yourself. And I don't really know the whole what the whole process was, but it was far more than just signing up for it. It was kind of like Instagram. Like you had to actually be approved. And so there was some amount of quality control going on there or like inside verification. So now that you could just buy these blue check marks for $8, people were going on there and getting like verified as, you know, random, random accounts. George Bush, Tony Blair, like had a quote unquote verified Twitter exchange about how they loved like planning 9-11. And really just Disturbing. Really like, disturbing I know there stuff. were a lot of memes about like it being funny, but part of me was like, and this is why they kicked Trump off Twitter 
because when you have yes. really offensive false information floating around, people and people, people don't know that shit. which is which is legit and which is not legit because some accounts on there still were legit. They were actually themselves definitely dangerous. Um, May says spreading false information. Absolutely. And one of the things that happened, which has been getting a lot of headlines, is that somebody impersonating the pharmaceutical company Eli Lilly tweeted, we're excited to announce that insulin is now free and their stock price plummeted by, I don't know the number, like tens of millions or more of dollars from an un- from like an imposter account tweet. It's just been very, very interesting. Yeah. Like somebody in pretending to be Coca-Cola wrote, if this tweet gets 100 retweets, <laughs> we'll put the cocaine back in the Coke. <laughs> That one was pretty good. Oh my goodness. Sometimes I think, I know this is like so my uh, showing my age, but sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I just kind of like, I want to go back to the days where I didn't have a cell phone, <laughs> where I had the only access to news was like five channels. What did I do with all of my time? I was not bombarded with all of this information. Anyway, it's just like, there's, there's moments where I just want to kind of go back, go, to, go back to the good old days, you know? Have we found out if Lauren Boebert, Bobo, let me see what's she's going on a, with her in She's the ahead by like a couple hundred votes. Mm. So by the time you hear this, I think it will be too late. But if you are in Colorado's third congressional district, third district, fifth district, you should go verify your vote. She was behind by like 500 votes. And then I think there were a lot of the people who voted ahead of time or voted absentee were leaning towards the Democratic candidate. And then the votes that were still being counted from election day came in more for Lauren. So that is an interesting one. That is one thing where I'm like, I can't believe this is happening in my state. That's enough for the political chats. Done, guys. You survived it. We're you survived moving it. on. But it was election week. And you know, these are the these are the things we're worrying about. These about. are important things. Pay attention. Don't get overwhelmed, but pay attention. Stay informed. We have to stay informed. Sarah says, but have you seen Tiffany Trump's wedding photos? I yeah, not. we have seen. T- yes. Oh, I haven't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about her. I don't know about her. I will never agree with the people who are like, I don't pay attention to the news. I'm like, that's the greatest white privilege statement. Uh, By the way, speaking of white privilege, if you haven't seen Neil Brennan's new comedy show on Netflix, I think it's called Blocks. He's one of my favorite comedians, by the way. Okay, moving on. I have a cold. Miles had a cold. And then he. we thought he was like having a bad reaction from the flu shot. And I think that was part of it because he always has a little bit of a tough time when he gets a flu shot ever since he was a baby. And so does Brandon. And since Miles, we've established, is no longer a tiny Brandon, but has graduated to being a medium Brandon. They're like the same person. So it doesn't surprise me that he had a tough time. But then it, it was like lasted for days and days. And so I, and now that I have it, I think the thing that actually happened is that he was like getting a little bit sick and then got the flu shot and it knocked his immune system down and then he got whatever virus he was like sort of fighting off. Yeah. So then he was sick for like three full days, sick at home. And then when our kids are sick, oftentimes they'll sleep in our bed, which then I get sick. So here I am. That's why my voice is like this and why I'm sort of like wheezing in the background. Um, If you listened to our Bake Off podcast yesterday, my voice I think was a lot more snarky sounding. So we're going into the holidays, as we all know. As you all know how much I hate the phrase, it's just around the corner, but it is. Thanksgiving is a mere week away from when you will hear this. Um, first of all, I am considering making a turkey Thanksgiving dinner slab pie instead of like the normal Thanksgiving dinner. So I'll keep you all posted on how that goes. A slab pie, if you're not familiar, basically imagine a pie in the shape of like a casserole dish. So it's basically just like a casserole with a crust. that sounds great. Yeah. I think that sounds great. My thinking is that that way, all the ingredients will be warm at the same time. And you can like make everything ahead and then assemble it and put it in the oven and then it'll all be hot. Because that's always the tricky thing about Thanksgiving is like getting everything out at the same time. 
We'll see how it goes. And then I'm thinking like you would keep the cranberry and put it on top, like a little bit of like a dressing. I think that sounds delicious. I'm going to Oklahoma this oh, year fun. to for visit Scott's my family. for yeah. Scott's family. And we're going to take Joe. And I have I know I've mentioned this for years, but my when I first started dating Scott was when I was really, really vegan. They just thought all I could eat was fruit. Like that's what they kind of associated. They were like, we don't know what to get joy. So like, here's some fruit. So I guarantee you there will be an edible arrangements. That they right, buy and not even that they like serve a fruit salad. They buy an edible arrangement. That takes so much space in that fridge. And I'm always like, you don't need to do that. this. But I they love, love that that's what they go do. And Scott's dad like makes it a point to like go get the edible arrangement. And so I'll be eating fruit all week, which is fine. I'm not mad about it, but I think it's really funny. But that's what they still do. <laughs> really, really vegan versus normal vegan. I, I almost said like hardcore vegan, but I was like, wasn't, I guess I was. It was just like, I was really into it. I mean, if you sat down at a Thanksgiving table. I, I try to avoid cheese, which I right. order a lot of vegan things these days. And I kind of like trend vegan just because that's like what sounds good to me most of the time. Yeah. I mean, if you are vegan enough to sit down at a Thanksgiving table and eat an edible arrangement. Yeah. That's pretty intense. Well, I mean, to be fair, I eat the I, I eat the Thanksgiving dinner, but like the whole week, I'll just be eating fruit, picking out these pineapple stars. It's so funny, yeah. Because then I, I mean, they buy it for me alone, so I'm like, I'm eating this whole thing, and then I'm trying to think of like, yeah. So like right now, oh, I think too, like the when I think of vegan, sometimes I think of people who like don't eat honey and don't eat like anything that is like touched an animal, and I was never really that hardcore. Yeah. That's a lot of work. Jess says, this pizza place near us has a Thanksgiving pizza, and it's way better than actual Thanksgiving. That sounds amazing. You guys all know my experience with eating mac and cheese pizza. Like, I feel like more things should go on pizzas. Although, when Maxine lived with us, she would put hot dog on pizza, which that was taking a little far for me. Apparently, in Brazil, pizza does come with anything you want. Like, would she cook a hot dog, and then when the pizza came, she would- Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> or like if, she, if we were like making our own pizza, she'd be like, yeah, can you get hot? And I'd be like, what toppings do you want? She'd be like, hot dogs. I was like, okay. Yeah. Who knew? I guess what's the weirdest thing that people put on pizza? Yeah. Please. That's a Please good tell question. us the chat. Michelle says, we're abandoning nutritional Thanksgiving food this year and having a barbecue. Ribs giving 2022. That's so that. great. I love when people go against the norm and traditions and like you do you. When I was in college, um, so my, my parents obviously are divorced when I was in college. My mom for Christmas dinner would just take me and my brother out for sushi because it was like, we don't have like a big family right now. We're not living at home. We don't have anybody to host. So like either on Christmas Eve or like sometime that week, like our Christmas dinner would be at a sushi restaurant. That's great. HK says, we don't like turkey. So lasagna. I've actually heard that lasagna is like a common alternative. Jess says, I live in Northern Italy in middle school and I lived in Northern Italy in middle school and distinctly remember pizzas with corn and fries on them. Wow. May says, one year my hubby and I spent Thanksgiving in Egypt and had a huge Egyptian meal. It sounds amazing. Kat says, I was always against eating chicken on pizza, but I had barbecue chicken pizza last night at a friend's and may have changed my opinion. I do like barbecue chicken pizza. Busy Phillips always talks about that because she used to work at California Pizza Kitchen and I guess they have like a really good barbecue chicken pizza. Yeah. So she always talks about that and it's like, I always think of her. I think my favorite Thanksgiving was when Scott and I probably seven or eight years ago we spent Thanksgiving in Hawaii and it was the best because we sa- I really have this memory. It's like a core memory of the day after Thanksgiving on Black Friday, sitting on our deck with our computers in our laps and just getting all of our Christmas shopping done in one day. And it was like, order, 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 done, done, done. So we came back from vacation. 
We were already done with Christmas shopping. We had just had this great Hawaiian vacation and like we could just kind of ease into December. That sounds oh, amazing. It was so great. My favorite Thanksgiving when for my 21st birthday, I went to Prague. It, you know, it was like the fall semester, my junior year, and I did not study abroad, but many of my friends did. I turn my birthday is always right around Thanksgiving. And like this year, it's the Saturday after Thanksgiving, but you know, the day of Thanksgiving moves around. So sometimes it's actually on Thanksgiving. All that to say that I went to Europe for Thanksgiving break that year because I had so many friends who were in Europe. And so we all met in Prague the morning of Thanksgiving. We were like walking around and went into this bookstore. I feel like I've told this story on the podcast before. We went into this bookstore and it so happened that the owner of the bookstore was from Fort Collins. He was like, you guys are in the US? Oh, I'm from the US. And we were like, oh, where? He's like, I'm from Colorado. We were like, really? Where? Because we were all from Colorado. He's like, oh, Fort Collins. I was like, what? So that is such a small world situation. It was such a small world situation. And then he was like, "Um, yeah, you guys have to come back tonight. We have this like huge expat Thanksgiving at the bookstore. So they like pulled down the big screen. They had football playing. We had like this huge turkey dinner with like all these expats in Prague completely randomly. It was so fun. Oh, that's so fun. That that sounds like a movie. Right? It was told it was yeah. like really a core memory. Um the other thing about the holidays that I'm noticing is that it feels like suddenly the like you know, like a couple years ago, the phrase we heard everywhere was like, I'm just gonna dial in my nutrition. <laughs> and now we know just that that means like in. I'm just going to dial it in. Just going to like dial in my nutrition. I just want to work on dialing it in. I think right now the new dial in your nutrition is boundary setting. Like we just need to set some boundaries. I'm just going to be talking about boundaries. Boundaries boundaries. are having a moment. Moment. So Joy, from a therapist perspective, can you talk about what boundaries actually are and what they are not? Well, I mean, yeah, the end, there's a lot of really good books out there. And I can put some of those in our show notes around boundaries, if you're interested in like reading more about it. But boundaries are essentially a way to say what you are or are not willing to accept in your life. For example, if I I don't have a mother like this, but if I had a mother who was call, calling me 10 times a day, needing to know what was going on in my life every single moment, I, and that was really becoming a problem for me, I might say, because people will tend to just kind of go with it because they're afraid of hurting people's feelings. Like this is one example. So if that was happening to me, I might say, I need to set a boundary and tell her, you can call me once a day, but I'm not going to pick up. You can call me as much as you want. I'm only going to pick up once per day. Like that is a boundary. You can have boundaries at work, you can have boundaries with friends, and that just means like, what are you willing to do or not do in a friendship, in a relationship, in a work environment, and stating those boundaries. Because what happens is people will walk all over you. I don't want to say take advantage, because sometimes people just don't know what they're doing. But it's kind of setting an expectation. Right. It's not always malicious. It's just like, sometimes it's like that person. This is is what's okay. This is what's not okay. Where I see it the most is really like with family relationships where you have a lot of, of enmeshment going on or you have relationships that you just have a hard time saying no to. Boundaries are a really hard thing to put into place. And so I think like it's easy to just say you just need to send a, set a boundary because that could really cause a lot of problems with those relationships because it goes into this whole discussion that I'm not going to get into around codependency as well, taking care of other people's feelings and not wanting to hurt other people's feelings. So that is at the cost of your feelings by not wanting to hurt other people's feelings. And that's a whole nother thing that we have to talk about with like confrontation. But boundaries are really having a moment I'm noticing. I noticed the Whole30 gal wrote a book. Yeah, Melissa Urban. A lot of people are doing like webinars about it, which right. I'm like, Workshops you don't really- or courses. 
I don't know if I agree with that. I just like... Yeah, what, what you just talked yeah. about is sort of like why I'm equating it to like the dialing in my nutrition phase where it was sort of like it feels like people wanting to offer a quick fix or like, a, a you know, of this is how you structure telling someone your boundaries. It's so simple to an issue that is so complex and has so many layers in almost every scenario. Like if you are have a relationship in your life that is truly so lopsided that you feel the need to do that, it's unlikely that you just like reading a blog post about how to set boundaries is going to move the needle for and like putting I think what's hard for me about this like concept of like well you just need to set a boundary is like you're putting in the entire onus on yourself to have to stand up in that situation like it feels like to me a situation where you do probably need a little bit more help than something that in influencer can help you with somebody and I have to go back up. Yeah. Um, Jack said, I read a New York times article about Instagram therapy, ruining actual therapy. Um, and we've talked a little bit about that, but I'm sure this is something that you see somewhat regularly in your practice. Do you feel, do you agree with me that it's being oversimplified or is it like, no, actually you kind of can just like put your foot down. Sometimes. I'm always going to be an advocate for things around mental health being a part of the conversation. I'm always going to be a fan of that. I don't love, and this is not a surprise to anybody. <laughs> I don't love what's when someone without a degree or without a therapy degree or without any type of training in mental health starts to do a program around it because that is, oh, I get so cringy. And this is where, yes, Instagram ruins it because, or, or not even a certificate. I'm running a program to help you feel more confident in your body. Like that stuff drives me insane because I'm like, if you don't have the credentials to talk to someone that's opening a can of worms that you don't even know. You're going into like no man's land if you think that you can heal someone's relationship to food without any training. I am scared. Same thing with like any topic, but boundaries, I think it's like the same flavor of don't put training, a training or a certificate course or whatever, because this is dealing with people's emotions and ba- I say baggage with like a with a good thing like we all carry baggage and it's like you don't know what you're doing when you open up that discussion it kind of brings forth a lot of things that people may not be ready to talk about but sure let's have that let's have boundaries in the discussion like let's bring it to the table so we can learn more about it but learn from people who are trained to talk about it, if you're going to incorporate this in your life, like in a very deep, meaningful way, because it's not easy. I mean, I talk to people for hours and hours of sessions around how to set a boundary with someone. This is not a, this is not a one, two, three step process. This is uncovering years and years of a dynamic of a relationship that is very painful. So you can't just go in and be like, I'm setting a boundary, <laughs> you know? If anyone wants a good resource, someone put this in the chat, and I really, really love her work, Nidra Tawab. It's N-E-D-R-A-T-A-W-W-A-B. I'll put that in the show notes. She has an amazing book called Set Boundaries, Find Peace. Highly recommend that one. And she is a trained professional, and she has amazing work around this. I would recommend buying her book and supporting her. Uh, I think she has a workbook that you can do as well. But yeah, I think boundaries are really having a moment, which again, if 
fine. Let's talk about mental health. But I, I feel like also, you know, there is a little bit of a slippery slope if you do have a humongous following of being like, here's what I did. Because I think ultimately, no matter what, people are going to see that as sort of like a how-to for how to do it. But at the same time, I think that that is something that can be navigated well if you are conscientious about it. Anyway, I just am always like wary of anytime I see something on social media, having a moment where it's like, wow, you're describing something that actually is like a really deep seated issue that cannot be just like one quick, one weird quick trick fixed. Right. And I see that a lot. And Catherine in the chat said that happened to me years ago, worked with a life coach and it got to the stage. She said she couldn't help me anymore because I was having difficulty doing things. And it's like, as a consumer, you get to ask questions. Never assume because someone is just hanging a shingle and saying, I can help you with eating issues, with anxiety issues, with depression issues, with boundary issues. Just because they hang a shingle does not, and have maybe a decent following on Instagram and post a really good quote here and there does not mean that they are credible. And I will always advocate for people who have the training, especially because dealing with someone's life and emotions and relationship patterns is really a delicate thing and can do a lot of harm. And I'm not saying that people who do that have bad intentions, but I think it's like they just don't know what they don't know. And that is where I get really frustrated. There's one person in particular, I will never say her name, but I know that she has like a pretty decent following and like claims to have this power of like healing people's body issues. And I'm like, and she has zero mental health training. That is so dangerous. I mean, she's truly probably causing a lot of people problems also by doing the white girl gaslighting. I mean, like, you just need to think differently about your body. Like, (laughs) just think differently about it. Just like, just like when you look in the mirror, just say like, I love myself. Just like, you need some affirmations. That's what I did. Like, I have have an affirmations journal for sale in my LinkedIn bio. Affirmations. Great, Great. But that is literally a drop in the ocean of what you need. (laughs) 1000%. So rant over. Yeah. Okay. But on that similar topic of, I don't know, I guess like things that it, you know, just kind of makes me start thinking about like therapy and emotions. You had um, an interesting Instagram story this week about people in a relationship who feel like they are crazy because they are way more emotional than their partner. And talk a little bit about that. Okay. So recently I've had this slew of clients talk about their partners. They were like, I just, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm so emotional. And it's mostly at this point, just, I'm not going to say like, this is a general statement, but it's mostly women who are in like a male to female partnership, monogamous relationship. And they're like, I am the more emotional one. And I have all these emotions and I feel bad because I'm putting this on my partner. That is something that a lot of women feel bad about. And I talk to them and and also the people that I'm thinking about now that are my clients are like fairly new mothers. It is really interesting that we have this like feeling that we have to be the ones, and this could go for anyone, okay? I'm just kind of using this as an example, but like if you're the more emotional one in the in the partnership, It doesn't mean that you have to change. There tends to be one who's more emotional than one who doesn't show their emotions the same way as you. And when I did this like little poll, this was like just an Instagram poll. It was either like all yes or all no, which told was kind of like proved my point is like there's either one or the other in the relationship. You're either very, very emotional or you don't really express your emotions the same way as your partner. I kind of wanted to like relieve people of this expectation of like just because you have more emotions doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. You just have to express 
things in a way that when you're mirrored off of your partner and they aren't expressing it as much or as loud as you are, that then all of a sudden you're feeling like you have to be the, the one, you have to mirror your partner and be the quiet person or whatever it is. That's so horrible because so many people end up feeling bad about themselves for just the way that they are, which also tells me that expressing your emotions is seen as a bad thing in society. So that's kind of like what sparked me to do that little discussion on Instagram and kind of do that little like informal poll because I'm like, it just does such a disservice of like, what is wrong with me? Well, there's nothing wrong with you. Right. Like the assumption is that showing emotions is an inherently negative thing. And so the more you do it, the worse it is. And you need to learn to like control it beyond a certain Mm -hmm. degree. That there's like an invisible line where any more emotion than that is problematic and you need to control it. Right. And I could speak from my own relationship. I used to do this. And I think also it has to do with like age and maturity because I was really, I felt so bad about myself and like my young 30s because I was the more emotional one. And Scott just happened to be the one who wasn't as verbal with his emotions. So I always felt like I was the problem. And that's definitely not the case. You work through that by just being like, oh, okay, this is just what I'm feeling. You're like validating yourself. And also just being like, this is normal. Just because I have a partner who is different from me doesn't mean one is worse than the other. So you're opposite of Brandon, right? Like you are the one that's like... Yeah, Brandon is like a lot more comfortable with emoting than I am. And I think it is like, I had the inverse of this experience, which is really interesting, where for a long time in our relationship, because Brandon is more comfortable with being emotive and, you know, more comfortable with outward, outwardly expressing his emotions, I had sort of the opposite feeling where it was like, well, Brandon's more emotionally mature than me. He's more emotionally aware. I'm just this like emotionally dead human. And I like don't know how to feel feelings. I don't know like how to be emotional. And, you know, I'm like missing out on something in life by holding it all in somehow. Like, so for a long time, I had this, I guess, experience in my head of like, oh, I am not emotional enough. And that is a problem. And like, that is holding me back in some way. It's keeping me from being able to connect with people in my life the way that I should be able to. And then I kind of came to find eventually, and I think this is also like just getting older and becoming more self-aware and not even necessarily more confident, but just like more self-aware is like, actually, I am just as emotionally intelligent as Brandon is. I just have a very different level of trust with people. And so it's more for me Mm -hmm. about like, I'm just going to not show that to that many people because of things that have happened in my past that have caused that to become very quickly manipulating. And so, you know, like, it's like, I'm perfectly good at recognizing emotions in myself and at recognizing emotions in others and it, you know, prioritizing that and being in, not be, I don't want to say being in control, but like being aware of that and being able to regulate that just because I'm not emoting doesn't mean that I'm like, dead inside. Right, exactly. And that's the thing is like, because it comes down so much to communication. A lot of the times what I'm working on with clients is communicating. I mean, I'm not doing couples therapy, but communicating with your partner, because when you start to feel bad for your feelings, you really do kind of drive this wedge because you're worried, then you become insecure and you worry about that person like leaving them. A lot of people deal with that. Or they're like, well, eventually they're going to get sick of me and they're going to leave because of how I deal with emotions or whatever. And I think that like, yeah. it comes down so much to just being like, this is who I am, being proud of that, communicating that with your partner and just like learning how the other person feels as well and checking in. You can still communicate with an emoter and a non-emoter, but it's just coming to that place of acceptance of like, oh, I'm not a bad person. I don't need, you don't need to change. You don't need to change a thing. Sure, you can evolve. Sure, you can grow. Sure, you can mature. But by feeling bad about who you are and how you're expressing this, 
is not going to help anything. I also think some people in the chat are bringing up that like it does obviously vary, you know, maybe yeah, if you're at work, it might not be appropriate for you to just like have your feelings all the time. It's very situational. And of course, like there is a time and place to be emotive and be expressive to that level. But I think the dynamic that we're talking about specifically, if you have a very close partner or even just like whatever your kind of inner circle is, that dynamic, I think, is where it's important to recognize that like people do have a, a varying degree. And I think it's either like having that conversation up front and saying, hey, I'm, you know, I've, I'm feeling insecure about like how much emoting I'm doing, how, you know, and as someone again, like on the receiving end of all the emoting, sometimes, yeah, it can be tiring, but rarely am I ever like, oh my God, I'm getting so sick of this person. Like, get out of here. Mm. It's more mm-hmm. of like, okay, I need to like, I don't under really understand what's going on. It's less of like an exhaustion and more of just like, oh, wow, I would never have thought that this amount of emotions would come from like that thing or that like they would feel so swirly. I think that's always been like the surprise to me is for me, like I am pretty good at compartmentalizing for better or for worse. And so that the amount of like swirliness is always just very like perplexing to me. So it's less about like, oh my gosh, this person, they're wearing me down and I'm getting tired of them. And more just about like, wow, this is not an experience that I can relate to. And so how can I kind of, first of all, like meet that person and help them, but also like not take that on. Okay. I want to keep talking about this. Yes. We got to take a quick break to talk about our favorite sponsor, Ned, and then we will get back to this wonderful topic. But speaking about things that help us regulate, we love our CBD rituals from our favorite partner, Ned. We I love their daily blend. I use their 750 milligram every day. I love their Mellow Magnesium blend. It's just so relaxing. It tastes so good. And if you need some stocking stuffers, starting to think about that, again, we're never not going to say go buy their chapstick. Like It's just Mm -hmm. the best chapstick. An elevated chapstick experience really is what I would call it. Try out their Brain Blend too. Really helps you keep your focus. I feel like the instant that I take that product, I'm like, I am a smarter human. Maybe it's a little placebo, but I really do feel like I can focus more. And it's a great product. Not to mention, I will always say every product they make is top notch and they're such a great company. I always think when I'm using their products of the farmers that like play the special binaural beats when they're bottling the stuff, like so much love goes into it. And you're helping an amazing company with really good intentions and helping the planet because they give back. And you're helping your favorite podcasters. So you can try Ned at helloned.com forward slash joy or use discount code joy for 15% off your order. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash joy or use discount code joy. Thank you so much for supporting the brands that support our podcast. Try out some CBD. Let us know how you like it. And don't forget that they do have a money back guarantee for your first order. If you come to find that it's really just not for you, that's totally fine, but give it a try. All right. So one other thing kind of connected to the emoting that I did want to talk about. And this is me just getting judgy. So sorry if I'm about to just like crash everybody who's like, I am outwardly emotional. Thank you for telling me that it's okay. I'm about to be like, well, this is the time where Claire thinks it's not okay. It makes me crazy when people, when you are like having a casual conversation and you ask someone how they are and they like just start to dump and they're like, well, I'm not the type of person. Like if you ask me who how I am, I'm the type of person who's just going to tell you what's really going on. And I'm like, I'm going to okay. tell you like it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not like a, I'm not like a small talk person. I just want to like, I'm going to tell you what I'm really thinking. And I'm like, okay. If you are like, if you have arrived at like wine and cheese night with the girls, that's one thing. But if you're like walking up to the water cooler, there's a time and place. And maybe sometimes you just got to be like, yeah, it's a little bit of a tough day, but I'm doing good. You know, like that's where you have to work on boundaries. This is that's where you have to work on boundaries. Boundaries. You have to also, say, okay, this brings up a question. What's the difference between boundaries and compartmentalizing? <laughs> <laughs> 
feels like a slippery slope. More to come yeah. on that one. That's a future episode. <laughs> um, yeah, I just like it, it does kind of make me crazy when it's like somebody clearly just adds like, hey, how are you? As like a standard greeting and someone like just launches into it. And I'm like, oh, they didn't really. Oh, no. Okay, got it. Uh-huh. Yeah, this was just a nicety. This was a greeting, not like a introduction to a therapy session. And it yeah. just, I have a little bit of a hard time with it because I feel like there is this emerging, not even emerging in the workplace. You know, you guys all know I work in corporate America. I have like a very classic corporate America experience. It just, you know, I think like sometimes the kind of conscious leadership, conscious everything gets good. Go a little like being vulnerable at work, bringing your whole self to work can go a little far. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like what Brene says about that, where you don't, being vulnerable, vulnerable doesn't mean that you have to just like lay it all out in your personal stories and be like, well, this is just who I am. Like, that's not what vulnerability is. I was, okay, I'm going to give a really bad example, but like talking about the whole, I just tell it like it is people. I was watching this reality show called The One That Got Away and it's hosted, it's on Amazon. I just fell into it because I needed something brainless to like be in the background, of course. It's hosted by Betty Who, who's like the most lovely human. I just love her so much. She is just a doll. So I partially love it because of her. But anyway, there's people on that show and a lot of reality shows that will just be like, well, I'm just telling it like it is. I am a no-nonsense. And that's fine. Like, hey, be confident, be you. But like, there's a little bit of like, tell it like it is doesn't mean you get to be an asshole. Like, that's not that's not how it goes. Telling it like it is with respect and love to someone you have a relationship with. Not just like, I'm in the grocery store line and I'm just going to tell it like it is because I am a truthful person. It's not a nice way to be. My favorite book about this is Radical Candor. I know I always talk about this. This is like the only professional development book that I've ever really like sunk my teeth into. And it's written by a woman named Kim Scott, I want to say, who is like a former and maybe still current CEO in the tech space. She has worked at Google, Twitter, you know, all the big kind of tech names. And it, she was kind of one of the earlier, she was in like the Sher- Sharon Sam- Cheryl Sandberg, Cheryl, right? She was in like the Cheryl Sandberg era. Like Cheryl Sandberg was one of her mentors. So, you know, sort of in that like phase, the like first wave of um, like self-aware female executives sort of Right. Yeah, sure, sure. Is that accurate to say? But I love this book because it really makes that distinction so well between like, you can't just tell someone. So there's like four quadrants and the one you're supposed to go for is radical empathy. And that means that you care personally and you also challenge directly. But if you challenge directly without caring personally, it basically just means that you're being a jerk. And then the other quadrants are like not caring personally, but not challenging directly. And that's called ruinous empathy, where basically all you do is like you never like try to get somebody to really – you don't ever challenge them on what they're doing. And then the one where you neither care personally nor challenge directly is just like you're just being a wet noodle. Like why are you even there? It's really like sketched out as like a leadership framework. I I think I feel like that's such a good way of thinking about it is like if you have – care personally on one axis and challenge directly on the other axis. You have to do both. You can't just like be a jerk. Yeah, you can't just be a jerk and then call it just being, I'm just being honest. Like that's just, <laughs> oh, I hate that. Yeah, it's really hard. It's hard to navigate 
obnoxious aggression. Sorry, I wanted to get the word for it. That's what she calls it, obnoxious aggression. Obnoxious aggression? Yeah. So it's radical candor. And then obnoxious aggression is where you challenge directly but don't care personally. Manipulative insincerity is where you neither challenge directly nor care personally. And then ruinous empathy is where you care but you don't challenge challenge them. Anyway, okay. it's a good book. I would read it. Um, my only, I feel like I've talked about this on the podcast before because it's really like the only leadership self-help book that I've ever really like read more than once. If you listen to it, her voice is not your typical audible narrator voice, but you will get used to it. Okay. Final few minutes. Rachel wants to know any good soup recipes for this week? It's going to drop into the 30s. I'm trying to meal prep. All right. My favorite soup recipe for the last year is called Gundi, G-U-N-D-I. It is a Persian chicken meatball soup. And basically the flavors of the chicken meatball and the way that you make it, it has like a very falafel-y taste. There's cumin, cardamom, caraway, and turmeric in there. And then also some chickpea flour. And that kind of gives like that chickpea nutty flavor. And then you put it into a broth, like just basically a chicken broth with carrots and onions. And there's also a little bit of baking soda in the chicken meatballs. So they puff up a little bit while they're cooking. So you take the broth, cook the carrots and onions, add the broth, and then you take the meatballs that have all that stuff in them. And you drop them into the raw meatballs into the broth. And so they steam in there like the same way that a, that a dumpling or like a, yeah, a dumpling would. So they're very kind of like airy because of the baking soda. Look up a recipe so you can get the exact spices. Again, it's G-U-N-D-I. And I just love that recipe because it's very warming, but it's not like those sort of like Eastern European spices. Just make it feel like you could eat it all day. Thoughts on Paula Hollywood's latest cookbook? I have it. I like it. I do actually like it. I have not, oh, I think I've baked one thing out of it. The thing I like about Paul Hollywood, as I've talked about a lot on the baking show podcast, is that he really is like an expert in baking. Like he really can tell you, oh, if your bread didn't do this, then it probably means that you didn't do that. Like he can troubleshoot. And so his book does contain a lot of that knowledge, which I appreciate because I feel like then not only do you get these recipes, but it also teaches you what to look for so that you can become a better baker. And I think that um, that's something I love about cookbooks in general. That's why I love the Aaron Jean McDowell cookbooks. So I want to say I've made, I think I made his brownies just to see like how they really turned out and they were fine. And I really want to make his key lime pie, but I have not yet. But yeah, it's it's worth it. It's the, the recipes are pretty simple, but in like a good way, in an elevated way. Who do you think will win Bake Off? Ooh, I think it's going to be Shabira. I think so too. It's yeah. definitely going to be Shabira. Mm-hmm. Any teases for travel plans for pod listeners next year? Yeah, we we're, with that? we're <laughs> lagging a little bit behind with that. I think we're trying to create a surfing trip for everyone. We're kind of going back and forth a little bit because the only date that really works would be like bringing you guys all to Mexico in like the dead heat of summer to a hotel with no air conditioning. Which I think we could, I think we could handle. I have stayed at that hotel before, and I think it would be okay. But you know, let us know if you are interested in that. We have found over the years that the people who want come on our trips, I think this is completely valid. But they are sometimes looking for a little bit more of an elevated travel experience because you know we're not 22 years old staying in hostels anymore. Like we are grown ass women who want air conditioning potentially. So there was a gift just put in the chat. It's like full body sweat. <laughs> there is a pool. You can go in all the time. There's a lot of shit. I mean, fans. There's tons of fans. If you got fans, but like I can maybe be okay if you like put like a bag of ice cubes under my pillow. Yeah. So I mean like Mexico in middle of June is hot. I would love to go to Ireland again. I would love to move to Ireland. If anyone has any tips for how Claire can move to Ireland, I've been looking into it. It's tricky if you're from the US. (laughs) 100 out of 10 would move to Ireland. I think that's it for today, guys. You guys have been such a lovely group. You really have. 
We are going to be recording at least through the holiday season on Sunday mornings just because my life at work is getting too crazy to be able to do Monday afternoon sessions. Um, Next Saturday, 7 a.m. or 6.45 a.m. Mountain Time, we will be recording the final Bake Off episode and we will would love for anybody to join who wants to join in the chat. Again, as you guys can tell, you basically are in like a backstage area where you're all you're just able to send us like little text chats. Like you're in a chat room effectively that where you guys are watching the live podcast. You're not on camera, so you don't have to worry about that. You can join from bed. Pretty sure at least one person in this chat is in their bed right now. According yeah, to we got a lot of people yeah. in bed. We got a lot of people just Perfect. hanging out in bed, which is like so fun. I would love to watch a podcast live just hanging out in bed. We don't see you at all. It's just a chat. It's not scary. I know a lot of people think like, oh, am I going to be like having to be on camera? No. So if you want to join for the Bake Off one, we'll be discussing the final. You have to obviously have watched it. It will be completely full of spoilers. But so um, keep an eye on our Instagram stories for that link. And then also for this link to join um, our main podcast next Sunday. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Ned. That's helloned.com, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash joy or use discount code joy for 15% off your order. Please blow them up for the holidays. They really deserve to be blown up, I guess is the way to say Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) They're fantastic. So please go place an order. That would be amazing if you can support us in that way this week. Thank you. And we will talk to you next week. Bye, guys.